Hi, I'm Alex L., and I write books for a living. The Hey Girl podcast was created with sisterhood and storytelling in mind. Hey girl. Hey girl. Hey girl. Hey girl. (laughs) I'll be sitting down with some phenomenal women to discuss love. I believe we grew distant out of love of some type, like, I don't want to hurt you. Loss. Really don't know what's going to trigger that feeling of grief in any moment. And a topic very important to my work, self-care. Freedom is self-care. It's not about pedicures. It's not about clothing. It's not about trips. Join us as we journey through sharing together. Today on the show, I am fangirling. I have one of my favorite jewelry designers talking with me about her journey to entrepreneurship, self-care, and everything else in between. Marla Aaron and her locks are innovative. I am thrilled for you guys to hear more about how her brand came to be. This is Marla's story. Hey, girl. Hey, girl. Marla, it is so good to have you on the show. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you so much for having me, Alex. I'm very excited to talk to you. I'm excited, too. So let's dive in. Can you please introduce yourself to the Hey Girl listeners with who you are and what you do? My name is Marla Aaron, and I am a jewelry designer based in New York City. I make a series of locks and chains, and they connect in interesting ways. And I'm a mother and a wife and a sister and a daughter, etc. <laughs> <laughs> so... Let me just say I'm a huge fan of the locks, as you know, and I don't I think I found you through uh, Henry Dominique on Instagram. And I was just like, those are amazing. What are those? Who makes them and how can I get my hands on them? So I want to talk with you about why locks and how that idea was birthed. So. I I mean, it was birthed a long time ago, much older than the company. I started the company officially uh, like almost six years ago. Mm -hmm. Uh, Before that, I was a I worked in the world of marketing communications. My last job was for a big multinational corporation. And but I was obsessed with jewelry, deeply obsessed with jewelry and deeply obsessed with hardware, mm-hmm. so both equally. And also looking for creative outlets in my life, mm-hmm. you know, because mm-hmm. you work hard and all day long. And I was also a single mom at one point. And I, I bring that up because I think when you go through like a struggling time in your life or a difficult time, like I think it can really take you to the brink creatively yeah. in a good way. Yeah. Do you feel that too? Oh, all the way. Feel it all the way. Yeah. So, you know, my evenings were spent like manically, you know, making things when I wasn't at work and my lunch hour I would spend on 47th street, uh, with my, like with my locks and with my things, uh, trying, you know, just 47th street is the jewelry district in New York. So I spent a lot of time here, like learning and teaching myself. And at a certain point I realized that 
by morphing the shape, I could create something that was fine and perfect and connected and, and very much rooted in sort of Victorian and Georgian jewelry, which is also a passion of mine, but yet starkly modern. Mm-hmm. And, th- and that's kind of how that happened. And uh, so I was making the locks for like 15 years before I actually launched the company. And then after a particularly horrific business trip <laughs> to France, true story, I decided that I'm just going to do this. I'm throwing in the I'm throwing in the towel of my job and I'm going to throw my hat in the ring for my business. And that's kind of how it started. So I want to talk about being a single mom and transitioning from corporate America to a creative career, but also um, just taking that leap of faith when you have someone else in the equation. Um, I was a single mom for five years and then I met my now husband and he's been in me and Charlie, my oldest daughter's life since she was five before, really. It's a similar story. Yeah. We have a similar story. Yeah. So. And I just, you know, I always want to hear from women who have similar stories. Like, how did you find the courage to be like, forget this job. I'm not I'm not doing this anymore. I'm, I'm not going to be broken down and unhappy. I'm going to fly and see if my longing the longings of my heart can come to fruition even though you have a little person on your coattails you know depending on you so how was that for you did you have any fear or were you just like well, I got this I mean I mean I guess I have to say you know I was already married but there was still mm, a mm. D- deep I mean we were definitely a dual income family yeah and there was you know giving up my salary was a huge consideration yeah and it was a huge risk. And any time, you know, I can't underestimate that. It was right. definitely a risk. And my husband, my husband's really cautious and he was certainly concerned. But, you know, he he basically said, you can give this thing a year and you, you know, you can't put a penny into it. You know, this has to be you have to build it from scratch. I mean, mm-hmm. it was a tall order. Wow. Um, so we. We went very slowly. I mean, Alex, we only as a company moved out of my house a few months ago into our into our real offices, which is surprising to people. But we've worked out. Of, I've, I've been very cautious. Wow. And I would tell everyone to be very cautious. Yes. And the other thing I would say to people, and I'm sure you've experienced this, is when people say to me, as I'm sure they say to you often, oh, gosh, I would just love to do what you've done. Mm. I just, you know, I just I, I need to come up with the idea. But for me, it wasn't like that. It wasn't like I like I had the I this thing was like a burning passion. Like, I have to do this. Like, mm. I didn't. I wasn't searching for something to, to find something to get me out. Right. I was. I was in all, you know what I mean? In already, yeah, yeah. So you can't do it to find yourself. That, I love that you said that because 
a lot of people have have said that to me too. Like, how did you get started? I'm like, I've been. I mean, I'm 28, so I've been writing Maybe. since I <laughs> since I can remember, right? And then I worked, and I, I had my daughter very young. I was 18, and I worked and went to school. And it wasn't just this thing where, oh, I'm gonna be an author. I didn't even know that I was gonna be an author. I just started you know, turning my passion that had already been there, my burning passion into into books. And that's because I wanted other people to find their voice through writing and through my storytelling. But a lot of folks, especially with social media being a thing now, feel as though entrepreneurship or um, businesses or brands are overnight transitions and they're not. No. I had a best-selling book out while I was working in the nonprofit sectors in, in, in DC and it took me a long time to pursue my passion even though I already had this thing you know on my heart and in the world and it wasn't an easy transition but I was cautious and I planned and of course it's a risk that you take going into business for yourself but if it's burning on your heart and you think it through and you're realistic about what you can deliver, um, that in itself can be the moving and motivating factor. So, yeah. So when you there's no such thing as an overnight. No, like this, this has not been an overnight, you know, success by any stretch. It definitely grew beyond my wildest um <laughs> you know dreams like you know and and we're creatively at our peak and ter- well I don't I don't know if it's our peak but like we keep like churning out new ideas and new things and that's very exciting uh for the company but it was by no means an overnight an overnight situation and there was a, the first year I also worked I consulted in my previous field mm-hmm. while I launched this. I mean, I was a little terrified to completely, you know, <laughs> cut the cord. Yeah. So, do you remember how it felt to hold your first lock in your hand? Yeah, I still wear I have it. I wear it wow. every day. Um Yeah, I was super excited. I I yeah, I I realized I think the first one was super exciting, but every single one is super exciting. And the newer pieces that we're making that incorporate the same technology is, you know, is even more exciting. And how we have refined our process as an organization, that really excites me. Like how we make them is is unique to us. Like. No one does it just the way we do. I mean, there's just so many things that I find exciting about it, you know? So I want to circle back to Lock Your Mom. I want you to talk. Mm. <laughs> I I love it. Love it so much. Thank but I you. want you to share where Lock Your Mom came from and how it resonates with you on a personal level. Okay, so um, when I was a single mom... Mother's Day, I felt was such a bittersweet day. Mm-hmm. And I would, you know, especially like when you have a small child, you, you know, you, you're alone. And, and for when you have a toddler, like, you know, your toddler loves you all the time, but sort of this public celebration of Mother's Day and Father's Day, mm-hmm. I, I think it for single 
two-parent households, it can be very bittersweet, you know, it's especially when the children are young. And I thought, ugh, what can I do, you know? And as soon as the business, and, and being a single mom was a very, you know, was a very trying time in my life, you know, on so emotionally, intellectually, uh, economically, mm -hmm. in, in every conceivable way, it was hard. And I always felt that if my business had any degree of success or ability to help others, that I wanted to do something for single moms. And I recognized that doing what we do, giving a lock away is not, you know, changing the universe, but it is a very small thing that appears to have a bigger impact than I even anticipated. Mm. So the first year we did it three years ago, we gave away 50 on Mother's Day. Wow. And we every and then we it felt really good. So actually, we didn't stop. We kept giving away more even after Mother's Day because we kept getting letters. And then the next year we gave more. And then this year we gave well on Mother's Day we gave three hundred, but probably for the whole year we've given five hundred, around that number. And it you know it's just it's it's beyond the letters that we get are you know, the male off guy who works in an office with a single mom who writes us a note saying, she's this lady that I work with. I see her rushing out every night and she's so panicked. Will you please send her one of your locks, but make it anonymous? Um, which really just, I find very touching yeah. that a guy noticed. Mm. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. The, you know, it goes from that to a woman who runs a domestic a safe haven for um, battered women reaching out to us and saying, I really don't know who to choose. I know you don't have an unlimited amount. Every one of these women here are single moms. And they would just, it would change their whole perspective to get one of your locks. And we just, you know, we fall to the floor and we send them each one, yeah, you know, yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's sort of like that. The stories that we hear you know, we don't share them all because they're private, yeah, but, yeah. and we don't make people tell a story, but I think, so I think when I realized that the whole single mom experience cut across economics, race, everything, mm -hmm. that this feeling mm -hmm. was I, in a bizarre set of circumstances, I was invited to a fancy dinner in New York that I had no business being at, and I sat next to a celebrity. <laughs> and I found it, so I, when I went to sit down and realized that I was sitting next to this celebrity woman, mm. I was like pretty terrified. Like, what do I have to talk to this woman about? Like, my God, like, how did this even happen? This is a mistake. Wow. So wow. I'm sitting next to her and I didn't know what I was going to talk to her about. And in, well, Alex, I mean, as a mother, you know, within a matter of seconds, yeah. we were talking about our children. <laughs> and then within a matter of seconds, we were commiserating. I was no longer a single mother, but she was and how lonely she felt wow. and how, and I was like, no way. Like part of me, that's what I was saying in my head, like no way could this woman be feeling this. But then I thought, yes way. Yes you know, way. she has 
every resource at her disposal, but yet this experience of being the only decision maker and having these small people that she, you know, when she wasn't working, she was with them and there was no one celebrating that, you know? So that's when I really said we have to do the single mom project. And it's not about just giving economically disadvantaged people, women, this lot, but anyone. So if you know, love, or are a single mom, let us know. Mm -hmm. And that's, Anyway, I've talked too much about it, but that's it. And it's no. very close to my heart. You have not talked too much about it. Keep talking about it because this <laughs> is so this is so necessary. And even though we're not single mothers anymore, there are still so many and they need to be celebrated and deserved to be celebrated. And offering a lock is it can be monumental and just offering that love and support and that I see you can be <laughs> life changing. So I commend you yeah. for, for that. And I love the Lock Your Mom project. And my mom has nominated uh, a friend or two. She loves you as well. <laughs> and oh, just that's so great. And she, you know, I just I'm so just thrilled by you sharing that bit. And never it's never too much to share. You know, we really need <laughs> these stories. Look, we get it. Your child is incredibly curious and a lot of toys and activities these days just don't keep their attention. Well, keep them engaged with hours of fun with Little Passports. Little Passports is a subscription box full of toys and games for children of all ages that educates and entertains. For $12.95 per month, there's tons to explore right from your own home. Little Passports box is delivered right to your door every month and each package contains exciting hands-on learning for kiddos three and up. You can feed their inner scientist with the science expedition pack, which is full of cool experiments to try, or you can even make your own slime. And just for my listeners, Little Passports is offering 15% off of any subscription. That means your child could be flying rockets or looking through a microscope in no time. Use offer code HeyGirl at checkout for 15% off your order. That's HeyGirl at LittlePassports.com. I recently started wearing a new bra by Third Love, and I absolutely adore it. Did you know that breast shape matters when you're finding a good fit? I didn't. Third Love uses data points generated by millions of women who have taken their Fit Finder quiz to design bras with breast size and shape in mind for a perfect fit and premium feel. I found the Fit Finder quiz really helpful when I was picking out my Third Love bra. I didn't know I was wearing the wrong size for so long. I think what's really awesome about this is that over 12 million women have taken the quiz to date, and it's actually a pretty fun experience. I answered a few simple questions, and I found my perfect fit in about 60 seconds. Third Love offers more than 70 sizes, which is more sizes than most other brands, including their signature half cup sizes. Not only that, but Third Love is convenient. You can skip the trip to the mall, Find your fit with their online fit finder, order, try it on at home. No more awkward fitting room experiences. What really sold me on Third Love was the 100% fit guarantee. Every customer has 60 days to wear it, wash it, and put it to the test. And if you don't love it, you can return it. And Third Love will wash it and donate it to a woman in need. Third Love's team of expert fit stylists are dedicated to helping you find your perfect fit. Fit stylists are available every day to help via text, chat, or phone. 
Returns and exchanges are free and easy. What's not to love? Third Love knows there's a perfect bra for everyone. So right now they're offering Hey Girl listeners 15% off of your first order. Go to thirdlove.com slash heygirl to find your perfect fitting bra and get 15% off your first purchase. That's thirdlove.com slash heygirl for 15% off today. So to shift gears just a little bit, you mentioned earlier that you were madly in love with jewelry. And Mm -hmm. I want to know if you have your very first memory of falling in love with jewelry. My grandmother, who is now 94, uh, had a piece of jewelry, which is a silver necklace that is a George Jensen piece. He's a famous uh, jeweler. And But the piece itself was designed by a woman named Astrid Fogg in the 60s. And it's a large heart on a large chain. I mean, it's kind of gigantic and hollow. (laughs) So it makes a lot of noise. And it was given, first of all, I remember sitting on her lap and holding it. And secondly, she gave it to me and there is a bite mark in it. So I may have also put it in my mouth as a child. (laughs) And now it's mine. So I would say that's my first memory. But the true question really isn't, do I have, do I remember my first uh, memory with jewelry? It's more, do I have any memories without jewelry? Mm -hmm. And like, no, I don't. (laughs) (laughs) And it's like, the more the question is, I don't remember when I didn't love jewelry. (laughs) (laughs) That's beautiful. That's beautiful. One more thing to add to that. I went to my 20th high school reunion one of my um, good friends from high school was there who I hadn't seen in years. And she shows up and she's wearing like this straggly piece of string with like this weird little crystal thing on it. Mm-hmm. And she holds it up and she's like, you don't even remember this. And I'm like, no, what is it? She goes, you made this for me when we were in eighth grade. And, you know, I was like, oh, she's like, so this jewelry thing that you're telling people is new. It's not. that's well that's amazing so oftentimes these passions that we have are nestled in us from such young ages like I I was the guest on my podcast on Sunday and I talked about how entrepreneurship and writing has just been embedded in me since middle school and some thoughts came up that I had never even thought of in my 20s and I was just like it's so interesting that that is where my passion from X, Y, and Z came from. So it's it's always great to hear those stories of, you know, things that we think are new, but they've really been in us forever. That's right. So as a woman in business, of course, I have to talk about self-care and how you're making time for you and how you're yeah. filling yourself up so you can fill up those around you, your employees, your husband, your son. How How has that been especially since you guys have been growing so rapidly over the past few years, where does self-care play a role in your life? So, I mean, I don't know how good I am on the scale of good, (laughs) but I will tell you that I regularly exercise and believe very strongly in exercise. And 
I exercise rather intensely. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you may have seen my headstand series on Instagram, but I, I, I do high intensity training. I do yoga. I stand on my head every day. I don't know if it qualifies as self-care or self-torture, but I do all of that. I work out. I eat pretty healthy and make sure my family eats pretty healthy as much as I can control them. Right. (laughs) I I wear makeup most of the time and wash my face. (laughs) That's self-care. No, that is self-care. I literally just said the other day, you know, washing my face has been my form of self-care recently because, you know, I don't get to really dive into other things as often because I have a five-month-old at home. So self-care looks very different. It doesn't look the same. So, you know, I take my time. I wash my face. You know, I eat healthy if I can, you know, when I don't have Mm -hmm. Oreos on the counter because my 10-year-old loves Oreos and then I end up eating a whole sleeve of Oreos. So it's just like, you know, self-care looks so different for everybody. And as a woman in business, I think it's really important that we share these moments, even if it's not traditional or whatever, you know, quote unquote, right, or how society views self-care should look. Because now, if you think about it, self-care is packaged in this very, like, weird way. Everybody is talking about self-care, but oftentimes it leaves people broke or feeling like it's not accessible. So Yeah, I I also think, Alex, I think your point right now that this whole self-care industry can seem unattainable and off-putting and expensive. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's truly, I think that's truly problematic. I mean, I don't think that's the way it has to be. It should be something that's accessible and human. Mm -hmm. You may have experienced this when you had your children, but you know, there's the breastfeeding uh, mafia of you know, it, it's sort the self-care industry is sort of similar to that, mm-hmm, right? Like, mm-hmm. um, you, if you're not breastfeeding, then there's something wrong with you or the length of time you're breastfeeding or, you know, and self-care is probably similar. Like these are, you know, if you're not going to yoga every day right. or eating a cot, you know, eating bowls or bowls acai called? bowls or eating yeah, a bunch of bowls, kale, right? Raw. And the green juice. <laughs> right. Yeah, then right. Then you're somehow an unhealthy person. Mm. I just think that's it's too over the top. It's too it's crazy. It's crazy. It can what be can crazy. Yeah. No. All the way. I'm with you all the way. So as we wrap up this conversation, I would love for you to share something along the lines of encouraging women to find their voice through whatever creative outlet Um, because I love how you mentioned that even though you were working in corporate America, you still had this baby. You still had your Marla Aaron locks. You were still burning with passion to birth it and bring it to fruition. Even in the midst of working, being a mother and being a Mm -hmm. wife, do you have any words you can offer to people who are, who may be in that same space, but just don't know how to feed both? I think creativity begets creativity. And I also don't think it's the province of one type of person. Mm. Like you're a very creative person. I think everybody 
is creative and it's like a muscle. I mean, people have heard this a million times, but it's actually true. Just do something, do anything, make eggs, um, cooking, any creativity that you, anything that you can do, you can bring creativity to in a time when I probably, when I really couldn't afford to be being creative with jewelry, Mm. I was frantically running around my son's bedroom, painting his bedroom with, you know, paints that I bought at the local drugstore and, you know, using cans as my stencils, you know, like I, I was doing, you know, I was knitting, I unraveled a blanket that I had and I taught myself how to knit on YouTube. So, you know, the resource of the internet is totally incredible. You can teach yourself to do virtually anything if you, if you put your mind to it and it's, it's kind of fun and wonderful. And in fact, my husband who has a very non-creative kind of job is actually one of the most creative people I know. And he's creative because he takes the time to teach himself new things all the time. Mm -hmm. Like whether it be teaching himself to play the saxophone and teaching himself, you know, to do yoga. Uh, He's, you know, so there's this misperception of what makes a creative person. And I really think it's not the province of one, it's the province of us all. Mm. So I love that. I think that's a great way to end. Thank you so much, Marla, for your time today. I'm thrilled, thrilled, thrilled for this episode to air. Bye bye. Bye. If you want to connect with Marla more and learn more about her jewelry, you can do so on Instagram at Marla Aaron. That's M-A-R-L-A-A-A-R-O-N. The Hey Girl podcast is a member of The District Productive, produced by Paul, Woody Woodhall, and me, Alex L. Music by DC's own Kokai. Okay.